Wolf and Luke. We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, the final four is set in the men's NCAA basketball tournament. Wolf, it's funny. All this talk of upsets and all this talk of how this year it was wide open and this and that and the final four teams are Duke, Villanova, Kansas, and uh, UNC. Four teams with 17 combined national titles between them. That is crazy, no doubt. But when you think about the fact Kansas is the only number one to get in, mm-hmm. that is a little bit different. It, it is. Me. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying I, I picked this by any means. We know I had U of A going all the way through. But to have these four teams, when you take a step back and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that, that makes sense. Somebody somebody sent me this the the uh, the betting odds if you picked these as your final four in Vegas okay yeah seventeen hundred to one so if you went to Vegas three weeks ago and you put ten dollars down and you said these are going to be the final four teams yeah you would have seventeen thousand dollars right now <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah you know and I think North Carolina of course is a surprise for a lot of people out there only yeah. because of the kind of season that they had that up and down it's one of the reasons why they were an eight seed mm-hmm. coming in that up and down season of course this being the first season no Roy Williams in North Carolina and Man, just an incredible, when you look at them, these are the blue bloods of college basketball. There's no doubt about that. We get that. Some of the blue bloods of college basketball. But the fact you got a couple of two seeds in there and you got one eight seed, that is kind of cool to me. it is. And now, Wolf, you have this. You have, when you think of the greatest rivalries out there, you've got, what, Bears, Packers, uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Chris Rock, Will Smith, I think needs to be on that list now, Ohio State, Michigan, and football. Duke, North Carolina, the fact that they have never played in the NCAA tournament. I think I knew that last year, but I had I, it didn't even register until you brought it up to me before the show today. As many times is, as Duke and North Carolina have played, they've never met in the NCAA tournament. This is impossible right here. It really is. When you stop and think about what is going on. I said this last week when Duke got into the Sweet 16, right, going mm-hmm. into it. We were talking about the fact this is the best story in college basketball. This is the best story of this tournament. Coach K, in his last goodbye, right? Here it is, his last run in the tournament, and suddenly Coach K is in the Sweet 16. And then he was in the Elite Eight, and here we go with the Final Four. Duke is in this thing. This is like Disney. If Disney was going to put together, hey, here we go, this is going to be a great story. Disney could not have come up with this script. Remind me if you and I ever make a movie, you you're the one pitching it. So how many how many years once again is this for Coach K? Forty two. Forty second season. Yeah. Forty two years. And suddenly here's look, it's Mike Shashevsky, ladies and gentlemen. Coach K in his last run. He's never played North Carolina in the tournament. Never played against North Carolina in the tournament. Ever. And now all of a sudden, in his last run, he's going to have to get through him to play in the championship game? And it's in the Final Four. That, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. You, you have, once we got down to the Final Five Stop yesterday, it. because we had North Carolina and St. Peter's, had St. Peter's won, this would be a different dynamic 
That would have been a great story, too. Here's a 15 seed with 450 people at their first game, and they're in the Final Four. It was still a great story. Out in the Elite Eight is still a great story. But now what you have, because I can't stand Duke. And Krzyzewski's <laughs> literally been the coach there since before I was born. I can't stand Duke. Right. And yet here we go. They're going to play North Carolina. And Wolf, the best part about this is it wasn't like fabricated by the NCAA. It wasn't like, oh, hey, Duke and North Carolina, if they each win a game, they're going to play each other in the second round. Right. This is the final four. They can't avoid each other anymore. They keep winning. I honestly, right now, since 1920, just listen to this for a moment, Basin Orleans, even though you can't stand the sound of my voice, all right? Maybe there are some of you out there, because I know I hate it, all right? Still, think about this right here. They have played since 1920. Duke, North Carolina have played 257 times since 1920. 250. This is one of the biggest rivalries in the history of college basketball. Two blue blood programs, if there were ever blue blood programs. And now all of a sudden they're going to meet for the first time inside the NCAA tournament in the Final Four. And it's Coach K's last go round. Oh, so how? What's this the, is impossible, and you know. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's layer on top of layer on top of layer. Because, like I said, I can't stand Duke, and I can't look away from this story. And what I wonder now, Wolf, is what's the more fitting ending to it? Is it really Shashevsky and the Blue Devils win the whole thing, <laughs> or or is it that North Carolina ends his career? <laughs> Because what would the, uh, I mean, let's go? The, I mean, it's, the, if we're going Disney, it's Coach K wins it all in his last goodbye. His I swan almost, song. Here yeah, it is. I guess. I don't I'm just saying. Though, you're right, though. You're right. I'm just saying. All the kids would go home happy after that movie. But if it if if Duke's not going to win. It, they need to lose to North Carolina. Agreed. It <laughs> right. can't be, hey, we beat North right. Carolina and then we lose to oh. Villanova. It's, oh, it's got to be North Carolina winning and Shashevsky being like, I'm glad it was you as he walks off the court for the last time or something. <laughs> like some sort of mutual respect. You know what, though? I'd, I'd love to see it, honestly, right now. Um, okay, Coach K, you, you're, you win the whole thing and you're going to walk away. <laughs> I'm just saying. Somewhere John Shire's like, hey. I'm just saying, you know. I know, exactly. I'm just, you know, really. You, what, what do you think they would do if he said, you know, I, I want to come back. Pulls one a Tom more. Brady. I just, <laughs> Did he reference his family at all when he retired? Or is this just purely he's he's tired of coaching? Oh, my goodness. I, I Of course, he, he would do the right thing. Coach K would do the right thing and go into that good night. Well, what a way to go. Too. It's not like Duke was a favorite this year. I, I mean, they're a two seed. It's not like this is some huge Cinderella story. Right. But I don't know a lot of people that pick Duke to win the whole thing this year, which is kind of crazy in retrospect because it's like, wasn't this always going to happen now that we look back at it and everybody just kind of overlooked it? But yeah, to answer your question, if Duke wins the whole thing, I, I mean, what better way to go out? I don't think we're going to hear from Shashevsky in 40 days saying, you know what, I actually have unfinished business. I wanted to go through North Carolina State in the tournament, too. You know what, too? I I just want to talk about um, St. Peter's momentarily. And the only reason why I say this, they they were so um, outclassed, for lack of a better way of saying it. And I'm talking about in terms of athleticism. It was, oh my goodness, to watch this game was very, very difficult. What North Carolina did to St. Peter's, it was brutal, was it not? I mean, how bad did it get for them? They scored 19 points in the first half. Yeah. 
They, they shot 19% from the field with six minutes remaining in the first half and finished the game at 30% from the floor. It was, I felt so bad. These kids have played so well, and yeah. they played so hard, and they did it again, and they tried, and yet the love I have in my heart for these kids that went out there, yeah, it wasn't good enough. They were never in the game. As a matter of fact, it was 7 nothing. The first, the first, it was 7 nothing. There was a timeout on the floor. It was the largest deficit St. Peter's had faced the entire tournament. And then it got worse. <laughs> and it got worse from there. Can you imagine what that huddle was like? Oh, here we are. We're playing North Carolina, and this is it right here. This is for going into the uh, Final Four. That had to be it, right? Because um, that's the first time all tournament, the moment looked too big for them. It, it Exactly right. And it's I'm not the blaming first them. Time, I know. I know. And yet, okay, we haven't been down by seven points the entire tournament. And here it is, seven nothing. <laughs> it just started. And then it was and nine nothing. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. my goodness. It, I felt bad for them, yet those kids, they fought, man. What was so impressive about that Kentucky game, we talked about it in the first round, you know, they, they had the lead, and then Kentucky came back and took the lead. They had to come back late against Kentucky, which you don't normally see the much lower seed do. Usually they hang around for the first half, and then when there's some adversity in the second half, they're like, wait, are we really going to take out Kentucky? But, yeah, there was definitely a moment of North Carolina, I'm sure at that point, was like, we need to go up against Duke in the Final Four. And and St. Peter's was like, yeah, wait, if we win this, we're in the Final Four. What's, what's, uh, what's going on here? The only other thing that I would say about that, of course, is just the fact that the Tar Heels were ready to play. Hubert Davis did a great job getting his team ready to play. They, they came out and played with desperation against a team that was a 15 seed. Coming up, how much is Devin Booker being fueled by that MVP narrative that's out there? It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Wolf and Luke. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. Back to the Suns. They are, uh, for good reason, commanding a lot of our attention here, and that's only going to go up now in the next weeks, hopefully months, Wolf. And we could be on the on the verge of another long playoff run here for the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker yesterday talked about the uh, the respect involved with uh, with with him being in the MVP conversation. At least, look. Let, let, before I play the audio, this is where I come out on it. I want to hear where you come out on it too, Wolf. I don't think Devin Booker's going to win MVP. He's not. I mean, they that's already kind of been made clear. Yeah. And I'm not going to take that as like a slap in the face to the Suns if Devin Booker doesn't win MVP. But it's the dismissiveness where it was treated up until about last week when you, when anybody would, would bring up Booker as an MVP. People would be like, oh, he's not winning. Come on. Like, And I'm yeah. not talking about locally. I'm talking right. nationally. Devin Booker, no, he doesn't belong in the conversation. Uh, Devin Booker is the best player on the best team in the NBA. And the best team in the NBA, it's not close. He better be in the conversation. He better be a top five candidate. That doesn't take away from these other guys that are having great years. None of them are having the season that the Phoenix Suns are having. Yeah. I don't think he's going to win. Uh, and I'm not even sure that I would necessarily... 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I would give a long, hard look. He should be like a top three candidate. And that is where I think he started to go down the path of feeling disrespected when he wasn't even being mentioned. Yeah, I just love the underdog role. I do. I love the underdog role. I love the underdog period. And the fact that you've got this team getting no respect, not the respect they deserve, I think, from the experts that are out there, the pundits that are out there, a lot of fans that are out there, of course. They really don't receive the kind of respect that the record says they should. Yeah, There's no doubt about that. This coming off an NBA Finals appearance the year before. So, you know what, honestly, you know what I love the most about this story and this topic is the fact they don't need it. They, they don't need your affirmation. They don't need your confirmation. They don't need it from the pundits. They don't need it from the fans. They don't need it from the experts. They don't need it. All they need is from themselves. Everything they desire is inside the walls of that locker room. That's all they need. That's what I love about it. Devin Booker does not need somebody to jab him in the ribs for him to be an intense competitor. He doesn't need that. He's already got that fire burning. But you know what? You can use the underdog. You can use the disrespect. You can use that. But you don't need it. It's important. The Suns don't need it collectively, and Devin Booker doesn't need it individually. But you know what? It's not going to hurt. He's drawing from it. He's definitely drawing from it. The more you hear him talk and, the, and the, just the craziness, the, the the way he has played in the month of March, again, averaging basically 31 points a game this month, and it's not just the points. You can tell he's like, well, that's there. I'll just draw on that on top of everything else I already had going for me. It's not like Devin Booker wasn't having an MVP caliber season before this month. Correct. Um, but, you know, it's funny as you're talking, I'm thinking like this is go ahead and draw on that underdog mentality because you're probably not going to be able to do it next year and the year after. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> you can't go win no, right. 66 games or whatever and potentially win the NBA title. And then it's it's ridiculous that they were put in the underdog role this year. Wolf, yeah, no, they, they, right. they were second in the NBA by one game last year and almost won the title. They should never have had that ability. But, I mean, we've seen how many times we hear Tom Brady after a Super Bowl, I just won my fifth ring, nobody believed in me. I just won my sixth ring, nobody believed in me. I just won my seventh ring, nobody yeah. believed in me. Tom Brady would have loved a situation like this where you're clearly the best team and not being respected. And like once it. again, this is just me as a former professional athlete, but the fact they're able to generate that kind of intensity and go out and compete the way that they do consistently, um, that speaks to an internal motiva- motivation that is off the charts. And it's Devin Booker who I think of first. You know, we joke around the smoldering intensity, once again, of Devin Booker. But it's so true. He's the guy that I think of. When I think of, okay, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, you know what, let's say Devin Booker, and he shouldn't be in the MVP conversation, whatever it may be. I honestly believe Devin Booker doesn't care. Devin Booker would go out and play as hard as he possibly could and bring that requisite amount of intensity, um, even if you didn't. Th- He's not using your external motivation. That's my point. And you know what? I think he's so internally motivated, and the Suns are so internally motivated collectively, that that is what I respect the most about this team. Having said that, can you use this external motivation to light a fire even bigger? Yes, you can. And they are. We've seen that. They just don't need it. 
and that's the difference. That's why they're that's dangerous. What I was exactly because right. they don't need it. Exactly. And Devin Booker's using it because it's been put out there. This is Booker uh, yesterday after the game. This is this is legacy stuff. Even with Mikael for Defense Player of the Year, especially after a night like tonight, like mm-hmm. these these are statements that I feel that you know go go overlooked. Um, for Mikael to, to take on his matchup and, and do what he does, and he's done this multiple times this year um, to, to high-level players. So we don't know what it's going to take, man, but we, we can't worry about that. You know, we're just going to come out here and, and keep winning games. Um, we have a big one Wednesday versus Golden State. Um, we're over 60 wins now, so, you know, we have nothing to complain about. So you guys feel that you're getting the recognition around the rest of the country and the rest of the league that you deserve? I'm sure nobody. I'm sure nobody feels that way. Um, so let me know. <laughs> what a class act! What a class act! Did you see this? We are so blessed to have Devin Booker in this city. No, oh, I mean, yeah. That, like I said, we could do a four-hour show just on Booker Man. and Booker going through the downtimes here. I don't think there's anybody Suns fans would identify. At least for me. I would identify with more on this team than Devin Booker because he was here for all the bad years. Nobody else on this team was here for all the bad years. Devin Booker was. Uh, ESPN, I don't want to read the whole thing, but uh, they they were looking at the top defenders in the NBA. Did you see this? I think it was on Saturday. They were going through, and it wasn't just Mikel Bridges, but they were going through some guys that are playing great defense that maybe aren't getting the credit because they, they aren't just the same names that get recycled through every year. I did see this. And... I'm, I'm just trying the to pull... The amount of distance yeah. that he covers in a game. An average of 1.31 miles on defense this <laughs> season. Highest mark in the NBA. Um, let's see. Nobody has defended more ball handlers in key actions than Bridges, who has done it 1,541 times already. The tip of the spear. Uh, it's clear Monty Williams trusts Bridges at the point of attack as much as any coach trusts any single defender in the league. He ranks top five in the league in half-court matchups against 2022 All-Stars. Ding. And they even say in there, that might sound trivial, but it's not because it allows Devin Booker and Chris Paul to do other things because they don't have to defend those guys, <laughs> which has helped the Suns dominate clutch time in late games situations for the past two years and frees up the duo to focus more on conducting the league's second-ranked offense. That's all just what Mikel Bridges is doing, sort of off the radar. And then, once again, go ahead and wrap all of that into clutch and crunch time. Yeah, Go ahead and wrap all of those stats, everything you just said, into the kind of players they are when it matters the most. What you've been saying, real quick here before we hit the break, this is Chris Paul's reaction. We don't know, and we sort of stay in our own little box. You know what I mean? Like we got such a tight group, like a tight unit of team or whatnot. We we just focus on the next thing ahead. You know what I mean? Like like Jay said earlier, that thing that situation last year hurt. You know what I mean? So we all just try to do whatever we can, you know, every day to just be a little bit better. So I think we we, we learn to control what we can control. And we have fun while we're doing it. <laughs> that summed it up. That's like- right there. This is what it means to be internally motivated. And do they take that motivation externally? Heck yeah. But again, they don't need it. 
We'll get back into this, obviously, throughout the show. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back, though. The Cardinals have added a new offensive lineman to the roster, so what will Will Hernandez bring to the Valley? We're just going to ask him. He's joining us next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Me not to know this Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. In case you missed it, the Cardinals signing Will Hernandez on that offensive line, former Giant, uh, former former player for Sean Coogler in college at UTEP. So another move here for the Cardinals and clearly a position that I think we had all identified as a position of need uh, at the start of this offseason, Wolf. Get somebody there to play guard, and now they're gonna, they've are gonna they added a piece here, and he's going to join us here in just a second. So we're going to get to talk to Will Hernandez and get his thoughts on his, uh, his new home here in Arizona. Yeah, you know, once again, um, the physicality for the Arizona Cardinals, I think, has really improved this offseason, and uh, throwing Will Hernandez into the mix is only going to make them even more physical. Well, he's here right now. Will Hernandez joining us on the 72-sold sports line. Will, thanks for the time, man. What are your, uh, your, your thoughts now that you're a member officially of the Arizona Cardinals? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited as hell. Um, you know, I finally get to come out here and, uh, you know, be a part of this great offensive line that they got, you know, Coach Coogs and uh, the rest of the guys. Um, I'm, I'm pumped as hell to be here. You know, here's a situation where Coach Coogs, that being Sean Coogler, of course, was your head coach at UTEP. Talk a little bit about your relationship with Coach Coogler. Yeah, well, first of all, me and Coach Kuhl have a great relationship. Um, we're very tight. We respect one another. Um, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, he's one of the biggest reasons why I even made it into the NFL in the first place. Uh, he took me into UTEP and uh, molded me to the player that, that, that I am. And uh, I I I, uh, I have a lot to thank that guy for. So what better way to come out here and uh, bust my butt for him and the team? Well, I mean, you you obviously speak glowingly of him. Uh, most most players do speak glowingly of Sean Coogler. What what is he like to to play for? Oh, he's uh he's a great coach. Uh, you know he he it's 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 awesome because you know he you get the the tough side of him. You get the, <laughs> the he expects you to work. He expects you to to get after it. You know, and but it's it, it's awesome too because you could also be your friend. And um, you know, I think that's one of the the best things that he has is you know he can separate that you know being the the hard nosed coach and and also being your boy uh, makes you want to play that much harder and that much more for him. So, Will, how do you think you're going to fit into this offense? I know that you've done your due diligence. I'm sure you've watched a lot of tape. I'm sure the Arizona Cardinals and how they play. How do you think you're going to fit, Will? I think it'll be a great fit. I think it's going to start with, uh, you know, putting in the work and getting the respect out of these guys and making the connection with them. You know, because offensive line, that's just what it is. You know, you, we all work as one, um, and so that's 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 the first thing that I want to do. And then, as far as you know, um, as far as like getting after it and being being uh, being. Uh, being hard and, and and tough and working hard and, and playing for one another, I don't think we'll have a problem with that on my end. We're talking to the newest Cardinal, Will Hernandez. Uh, Will, you, you got to the Giants the year Justin Pugh left, but I mean, is there anybody on this Cardinals team that you already know as you arrive, or are you kind of coming in with a blank slate? No, so this is the the one of the reasons, too, why I wanted to play here. Um, even though um, 
I've never really uh, uh, hung out with uh, Justin, you know, face to face. We've talked a lot over the years, texted, and uh, kept in touch. And uh, um, I know Ronnie Hudson also. You know, we 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 uh, we hung out a few times. We were with the same agent, and uh, we were together at one of the Super Bowls. Um, you know, a couple years ago and uh Beecham too as well uh you know Nate Solder has a camp at his uh in his hometown every year and he invited both of us to come help him out and work it uh, a football camp for the kids and I met him out there and got to know him very well so in a way I I feel like I I know most of the guys already and um and I'm excited just to get plugged in and, 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 you know, get to work with them. Will, I'm going to ask you to brag a little bit on yourself right here, if you don't mind. What do, what do you think are your strengths, Will? Um, you know, I, I feel like, um, um, especially after this year, I'm, I'm flexible. I'm coachable. Um, I can, you know, if you need me to go left, cool. If you need me to go right, cool. You, know, you need me to play center, whatever, whatever it is that that coaches need me to do, I can do. And you know, also, I'm I'm a guy that's going to play not just for myself, but for the guys that I'm with. Um, I build that. I, I tend to build, you know, very uh, deep relationships with the guys. You know, this isn't just a job for me. It's something that I love doing. And uh, I feel like when when you, when you have have that i think that that gives you the best chances to win are you a gap scheme guy do you want that power schemed a zone scheme or combination of the two what what do you like to do hey i want whatever they want to throw at me um i don't have any preference i'm not picky i just want to whatever it is do it well and uh do it do it hard you're gonna you're gonna drive another man into the ground and do it with malice, big guy. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, that's, yes, sir. You know what? Honestly, I, I've watched you play, Will. I I know that that is what you are, and that's who you are. Uh, at the core of you is a guy that likes to mix it up, and you know what? I respect that an awful lot. I don't know if you see a ton of guys in today's NFL that are brawlers, and I consider you to be a brawler. Oh, yes, sir. I appreciate that. And then, yeah, I mean, over the years, you tend to kind of, you know, uh, get a little taste of everything and not just one particular concept. So whatever it is that that we want to do, I'm all in. Talking to Will Hernandez, Will, because it is so big that that offensive line works together and knows how to do that, how important is it for you that, like you said, you know some of these guys and you're really the only new piece stepping in, at least in terms of the starting lineup. These guys all know each other, so you're just you're one more guy that fits in, hopefully quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, like I said, that's one of the first things that I want to do is make sure um, I fit in great. And, you know, these guys know that, you know, um, I respect them and I'm, I'm here to work and um, I'm here to, you know, um, add value, plain and simple. What was it like, Will, to block for Saquon Barkley? I've watched this guy play and just so much respect that I have for him in terms of his raw talent. It's incredible. But what was it like blocking? for Saquon. Yeah, well, first of all, the guy's special. Uh, he's a freak. Um, you know, he's a freak athlete, freak player, really good player, really smart. Um, and I got to see this firsthand. You know, it was, it was, it was an honor blocking for him. You know, he's my boy. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff he does on the field, you know, just, you know, just to keep it short and simple, it makes, it makes your job easier. Um, so it was, it was great blogging for him and I know he's going to do very well. And, uh, yeah, um, I'm definitely excited to, to see him thrive.
I guess kind of along those lines, Kyler Murray's a little bit of a different kind of quarterback. Have you ever blocked for anybody like him, or, or how different do you think it'll be blocking for Kyler Murray? Yeah, I know. I mean, I know exactly. You know how he plays. I've seen. I've watched a lot of film on him. Um, you know, I'm excited, and 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 I know. I know exactly what what it is. You know, a lot, a lot more movement, a lot more plays with his feet, a lot more holding your block longer, staying in front of your man longer. Like, there's going to be no surprises. Uh, I know exactly what it is. I'm preparing for all that now. I'm training um, more than ever just to you know be able to go in and 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 not be surprised by this and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited. He's a great quarterback, and uh, I'm just excited to be able to get in front of him and and protect him in my life. What do you know of James Conner? Yeah, um, you know, also a great running back. Um, I used to watch him ever since he was with the Steelers, and also I've been watching him for a while as well. And I love the dog mentality that he plays with and that he runs the ball with. Um, you know, it just it gets me that more excited just to play and uh, get in there and uh, and get after it. Are you yeah, a, both of those guys, I'm I'm very excited to work with. Are you a dog, Will? <laughs> of course, of I, course. I know you are. I know you are, buddy. Thank you, man. <laughs> I really, sure. dude. I really appreciate. it. I'm happy that you are here and you're going to be playing for the Arizona Cardinals. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time this morning, big guy. Thanks, Will. No, yes, sir. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Okay, man. Take care. That's Will Hernandez, the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals, joining us on the 72 <laughs> Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. I wondered at what point in the interview you were going to ask him if he was a dog. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. Right? He is a dog. I know that he's a dog. Um, again, brawl, fight to the ground. This is, these are the kind of guys you need. If you want to run a physical offense, you need physical players. Hello, Will Hernandez. Coming up next, we're going to stick in the NFL. Could the 49ers actually just release Jimmy Garoppolo? We're going to take you through the top stories around the league next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I get those goosebumps every time. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the Heimlich. Throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah. I good to talk to Will Hernandez, newest member of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's brawl. And we'll, we'll react to that, I'm sure, throughout the show. I will say, though, Wolf, one thing. It was good to hear that he knows some of these guys on this offensive line already. Yeah, especially Rodney Hudson. I yeah. mean, that was really, really cool right there. Uh, the center and the guard, that symbiotic relationship that so many great center guard tandems have had. I'd love to see that gel a little bit, a little juice coming off the ball on the ace block. Well, we look around the NFL now, and it seems like the dust has settled at least a little bit on quarterback movement. I mean, we've had Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson move, and Tom Brady retire and unretire, and Aaron Rodgers do whatever he just did for the last 12 months. Uh, But there are still a couple, I would say the biggest names, that likely aren't going to play for their current teams. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. Yep. And we have heard... Uh, rumors slash reports, whatever you want to call them, that either or both of them might just end up getting released by their teams, by their current teams, by the 49ers and the Browns. Yeah, I think the most likely would be Jimmy G. Yeah. I do. Well, he can't move his arm. Yeah. Once again, John Lynch says, don't worry about that. (laughs) 
It's he's going to be fine. Okay. He's going to be fine by training camp, and because of that, his trade value has not diminished whatsoever. All right. According to John Lynch, okay. and I love John Lynch. <laughs> he's a friend of mine. I consider him to be a friend of mine. I love John Lynch, and at the same time, John, come on now, <laughs> come on, bro. It's his throwing arm. On, he's bro. a quarterback that feels like an issue. We know. Um, so that's an interesting thought because if let's start with Jimmy G. If he were to just be let go, I mean, who at that point anybody could go after him. At that point, Seattle could go after him. Even look, San Francisco's not trading a quarterback yeah. to Seattle. Just like Cleveland's not trading Baker Mayfield probably to the Steelers if that were a thing. Although Cleveland has to move him so desperately that maybe they would at this point. But if Jimmy G was let go, I mean, he can go wherever he wants. Then Atlanta, you think? <laughs> I mean, honestly, who knows what's going to happen right now with Atlanta, Marcus Mariota. I think Atlanta is going to say, hey, you know what? We really haven't had a chance to embrace the new age, the new age offense that is out there running zone reads and RPOs and all this up-tempo. What do you say we go ahead and we give Marcus Mariota one more opportunity to rekindle his career? In his life, <laughs> we just say we're going to run Oregon, and uh, you know, I mean, it's a risk, right? I'm just saying, probably why not. Probably why not scratch that itch. Just it's not like Atlanta's winning a Super Bowl this year anyway. Just doing what they were Correct. doing. Give Mariota a shot. Draft a quarterback if you want. It, it it is interesting that that this year of all years, there just isn't even like a clear cut. These are the top two quarterbacks in this draft. Or, yeah. You know, it sounds like if any quarterback goes in, like I think it was Todd McShay I was listening to was like, yeah, I don't know that he's going in the top fifteen. I mean, some's going to go in the top fifteen. There's always teams that reach on sure. quarterbacks, but for all the quarterback movement, and I'm looking around the league, Wolf, and there's like there's teams that desperately need a quarterback right now, or at least a guy they could draft and build around, and there's not even like a gem or two in the draft necessarily. Yeah, no, you're right, but aren't you fascinated by what is going to transpire, or what could, down in Atlanta with Marcus Mariota? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, it's not my team, it'd be this, fun. It's kind of like, you know, when you break up with somebody, my young crunk brothers, you're out there, and suddenly you, you break up. I, I know nothing about dating yet. You're let let your Uncle Ron tell you this story right here, okay? Uh, you know, I'm just saying, it's like when you kind of break up and you go and suddenly you go the complete opposite of who you were just dating, right? You go to somebody else and they're the complete opposite. Um, we see this happen all the time with NFL teams. If it was an offensive coach, guess what? It's going to be a defensive coach the next hire the vast majority of the time. It's not an all the time thing, but the vast majority of the time you're going, if you're going to go change, you're going to go for real change. And this is what I think Atlanta's going to do. And that's why I think it is fascinating to me. I know you wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson here. That's great. So let's talk about it. But you know what? Honestly, I think the Falcons are going to give Marcus Mariota the opportunity to refire his career. Um, And that's interesting to me. Since we were talking about teams that need to draft and, and do things in the uh, in the quarterback category, did you see a that Detroit's getting the draft in twenty twenty four? That just came out like in the last whatever. I did not see it. And B, bigger bigger importance to you? Did you see the Lions are going to be the team on Hard Knocks this, uh, this summer? <laughs> you know what? I might watch it. Dan I might Campbell. watch it just because of Dan Campbell <laughs> and because of Chris Spielman. 
I want to see how much Spielman is involved because if I know Chris the way that I do, he is out there and he is um, heavily involved. Let's put it that way in the drills they're running and the plays they're running and how they practice and what they practice. If unless I miss my guess on Chris Spielman, I might watch it just for Chris Spielman. You got to at least watch an episode just for Spielman and, and Campbell. Don't you? Oh, no. I mean, these guys, again, you know, okay, the Dan Campbell crying thing, that really bothered me. It, yeah. You can't cry. You just can't. You can't cry. You, you, you can't do it ever as a head coach. But he did have them playing better by the end of the year. They, they did play better. There's no doubt about it. But you can't cry. That was early, wasn't that? It, it was, that was the Baltimore game, I it think. It was like week four. It was the I Justin Tucker kick that like hit the crossbar and it went was, over. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, yeah. That I wonder how that flew in that locker room. Well, you we can find out now with five episodes of Hard Knocks starting this August. <laughs> you can't cry. I, I want to play this clip for you. There is no crying in football. <laughs> Forget about that's baseball. From a movie. There is no crying in football, uh, especially as the, as the head coach. I guess that probably takes on a different dynamic too. But. um Deshaun Watson, we played this going into the weekend, and we didn't really get to react to it, but $230 million guaranteed, okay, Wolf? Yeah. This was Deshaun Watson from his presser on Friday. Um, Actually, it had nothing to do with the contract. I didn't know about the contract until I told my agent that I wanted to come and be a Cleveland Brown. That was secondary. That was after the fact that we spoke on the phone with A.B. and Kevin and, and the Haslam family. Oh, man. $230 million guaranteed. Cleveland was apparently off your list. Then they made that offer, and suddenly that's where you were going, and that had nothing to do with it? I, I, this, is so, this is so hard for me, Basinonians. Honestly, it is. This, this sucks buttermilk. I, 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 don't, I don't believe he's telling the truth. I, I don't. And can I just say... This is awful. It is. But if, if, if he can't be telling the truth, he can't. You mean be. about the contract? Yes, okay. about the contract. Yeah. He sat there. Cleveland removed itself from the Deshaun Watson. Remember that? Removed itself from, from Deshaun Watson because they were told that they were out of it. Baker was supposed to be the starter. Remember? They were like, we're not trading him. I, I know. I. So when I hear him say that with the ease in which he said that, yeah. what do you think of? What do you think of, Basin Onions? What do you think of? Yeah. Command and control, what do you think of? I think we're all when thinking the hear, same thing. Exactly. When you, when you hear him say something that you just you can't even believe, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The timing of it does not jibe with the reports that were out there it it just doesn't and i feel awful saying it because he might for all i know there might be a one percent chance he's telling the truth and yet at the same time if he's if he's gonna lie about something like that it does make you think oh my goodness well, there is wow. no no reason for him to lie about the contract. He, it's not like they, it, if he had been like, yeah, that was the reason I'm in Cleveland, they'd have been like, well, yeah. we don't have to pay you now. Yeah, he, like, he wanted to. Well, I, you know, obviously there was a reason. 
Because if you think he's lying, ask why is he lying? Well, yeah, but I, I don't. He why? I, I he, he wanted I, you to believe that he wanted to go play for the Cleveland you can Browns. Show that that then. the contract had nothing to do with it. That I know it wasn't the two hundred and thirty million guaranteed, the revolutionary contract, the one of a kind contract in the National Football League. It had nothing to do with that. I wanted to, I picked Cleveland. Boy, that 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 stinks. That sounds like the sort of thing you just keep saying until you believe it yourself. Real quick here, since you did play in Cleveland, Wolf. The um, the Browns fan base seems pretty conflicted over this addition, and and I don't blame them at all. But of all the cities, you and I were talking about this off the air briefly on Friday. I don't know what city would be like, yeah, we want Deshaun Watson, bring him on. And $230 million guaranteed, too, when he didn't even play last year. Yes. For the reasons that he didn't Correct. play. But, I mean, is there a more blue-collar city than Cleveland? I can't imagine no. that they're just like, yeah, bring this guy and give him a bunch of money he hasn't earned yet. Yeah. Once again, Guaranteed. Man, I, I, I believe in second chances. I believe in the legal system. I believe, you know, once again, he's he's not going to be criminally charged. I believe this. Um, yeah, but $230 million guaranteed is but, different than a second chance. Yeah, I know. And I think also, too, he did not help himself with that cut you just played. Because anybody that's got a brain, once again, can put it together, the timeline and the things that were happening, and say, oh my goodness, why would you lie about that? And if you are willing to do that, what else are you willing to lie about? Coming up next, we're going to get you caught up with the biggest stories of the day. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is right around the corner. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.